Welcome to another episode of the Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss how the UN is helping Ukraine and surrounding countries with medical supplies, increased suicide rates in Ohio over the last 20 years, and potentially getting rid of daylight savings time. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 129 for the week of March 21st. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Albert Battistelli. Before we get started, our diagnosis code for this week is F48.8 or other specified non-psychotic mental disorders. Whoa. Whoa. Non-psychotic. So that's important. Yeah. So we're talking like writer's block, I think. Interesting. Writer's block. What else we got? I want to be diagnosed with writer's block. Can I like bring in like a note to my professor and be like, hey, (laughs) I have my doctor diagnosed me with writer's block. So you're just going to have to give me an A. Yes. About that. It's just, you know, I've got this diagnosis code F48.8. I mean. Right. F48.8, man. This could be bad. Maybe if people are listening and they have like us on speakers and they have kids, their kids, their kids are figuring out if I just, you know, commit fraud and impersonate my doctor and just right. write to his code. My teacher looks it up and they know it's a real thing and then that's it. Right. Wow. Well, you're welcome, I guess, Mr. Student. Don't actually do that though, because that's not good. Anyways, let's get into it. First up, health facilities face the fire. The UN agency's relief effort continues despite missile attacks on healthcare facilities, workers and patients in Ukrainian cities, which have killed 12 people and injured 34. Nurses have had to ventilate patients manually in hospital basements away from Russian shelling. Among the most needed life-saving supplies, the UN Health Agency has sourced oxygen and insulin, surgical supplies, anesthetic and transfusion kits to collect, test, and safely transfuse blood. A key priority of the WHO relief effort is to provide support to the healthcare systems of neighboring countries, which have taken in some 2.8 million people in the last two weeks. Man, that's kind of why uh, the WHO exists. Other than right. talking about pandemics, it's why they're there. This is exactly it. Yep. Yeah, support civilians and stuff that don't have anything to do with um, right you know, war, politics, war. or anything like that. Yeah, they're just kind of you know the casualties, really. Yep. So it's unfortunate, but that's why they're there. And it looks like hopefully it seems like it's working. I don't know how they can keep track of 2.8 million people that's, provide that's care to that. Hopefully I know. they keep on top of it. Yep. But logistically, it seems like a, a nightmare. Right. But I guess something is better than nothing, right? Right. For sure. And that's why we have these agencies. And that's really cool that they're able to actually step in there and help. Yep. All right. Ohio suicides increased by 50%. Guns are playing an increasing role in homicides and suicides, which have significantly increased in Ohio over the past two decades, according to a new analysis done by researchers at the Health Policy Institute of Ohio. In their analysis, researchers at HPIO reported that in 1999, there were 450 homicides and 1,102 suicides in Ohio. Compare that to 2020, when 1,644 homicides and 1,004 suicides were recorded in the Buckeye State increases of 123% and 49% respectively. The data from HPIO, which bills itself as a nonpartisan and independent statewide nonprofit organization dedicated to health policy analysis, 
comes after Columbus experienced a second consecutive record year for homicides in 2021. Columbus Health Commissioner Maishika Roberts will, for the first time in the city's history, coordinate with other city departments to address the problem of gun violence from a public health perspective. Very interesting. And we've seen similar stories um, in regards to treating gun violence as a public health crisis, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the past. So th- interesting to see how now Columbus might be following suit in terms of building something into their health policy to discuss, um, you know, the role of guns in terms of how it affects our health. Yeah, it seems like there's a correlation between suicide and gun ownership or gun use. Yeah. Essentially what this is trying Pretty to much. say. Um, yeah, I mean, you're going to get that. It, that makes sense. It's a, it's an interesting correlation. But even beyond that, I mean, in terms of gun violence and things like that, it's always going to be higher in inner cities yep. like Columbus yep. and Cleveland. Yeah, so specifically yeah big Ohio. city areas. But, yep. Yeah, the, I mean, the suicide, I mean, 1,600 sui- homicides and a hundred or, or 1,600 suicide or homicides and a thousand suicides. So it's almost almost the same. I mean, it's only 600, 600 more homicides than suicides related to guns. So that's, yep. that's pretty insane. I mean, that's like a, and in 1999, the number of suicides is higher than the number of homicides. Right. So now that could also be because, you know, anytime they bring up the old, old, older years before the internet was like so big, we can think right. of how much data is, how accurate was that data from the older, older years? But true, interesting. Hopefully, they, you know, they use this data for good. Yep. Figure out what they can do. Yeah, hopefully. Next up, deadly time change. A clinical associate professor at the Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine, who specializes in sleep medicine said the time changes associated with daylight saving time typically cause us to lose sleep for about one week until we adapt to the change. While we are going through this adjustment period, however, it can put our health and safety at risk. The loss of sleep has been shown to result in an increase in car accidents during the week after the change of daylight savings time, and there can be an approximately 20% increase in patient safety related to incidents associated with human error. In addition, daylight savings time has been linked to an increase in heart-related issues such as acute occurrences of heart attacks, strokes, and atrial fibrillation. On March 9th, the Consumer Protection and Consumer Subcommittee of the House Energy and Commerce Committee held a hearing on daylight saving time with a panel of experts speaking about its effects on health and safety and whether it should be abolished. Experts said that they support the move to do away with daylight saving time. Until laws throughout the United States change, however, many people will continue to be affected by sleep deprivation during the spring shift the daylight savings time. Yeah, which we just experienced last weekend. Yep. Um, it, and actually, it was a big shock. Little follow up to this. I think yesterday I read that the U.S. Senate passed a bill. They did. Changing this. So to I get rid it. of daylight savings time. The House hasn't passed it yet, but the Senate did. The Senate passed it unanimously. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Something I think like that. We've gotten to the point where we're like, we don't need we're, to do this anymore. We're done with this. Let's just stay on regular time. Right. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no it, need. Yeah. 
I'm pretty sure it came from a time when like farming was way bigger in the United States. I yeah. mean, we still obviously have like farms and stuff like that, yeah, but, but now the machines and stuff are so powerful. Exactly. They farm a lot more effect efficiently. Right. So I don't, yeah, this is sort of outdated and we can probably it's just move away. Sunshine Protection Act. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Sunshine Protection Act. That's funny. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what happens. I mean, there's, you know, there's two sides of it because it's political. I think at the end of the day, politicians should be focusing on world issues rather than daylight savings time and just right. kind of move on from that. But, you know, that's kind of why we're Americans is because we get to debate everything. Right. But yeah, hopefully we can, I would love to see it go away, especially if it's causing damage and like increased risk of heart attacks and things like that. You know what? Get rid of it. We don't need it. Yep. No, I agree. One of the biggest arguments is the kids in school buses. And I feel like, most schools nowadays require parents be there for for school bus pickup. Right, could be mistaken, but that's what I know from my recent experience talking to parents about school buses. Right. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into our next segment. B R E A C H Breach Patrol. It's a breach. All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol. We talk about the latest breaches all across the world. Oh my goodness gracious, Albert, what do we have today? All right. Successfully preventing email breach. The city of Amarillo, Texas announced last week that it had identified and prevented an online data breach. According to the city, there is no evidence at this time of a successful data breach and that no information was lost or ransomware deployed in this attempted breach. The city's robust security measures are credited with stopping this possible intrusion into Amarillo's system. Out of an abundance of caution, the city's email system was unavailable last week, while the IT department continued to comb through the network of systems to ensure the network remains secure. All other Amarillo systems are operating. The city will be able to issue permits, collect trash, accept utility payments, etc. Hey, that's a good one. That's We always hear about breaches after the fact, but this is nice to hear about something that was prevented. Yeah, that's good. You Only really you can that. prevent email breaches. Exactly. As Smokey the email bear would say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Smokey the breach bear? I don't know what you want to call him. Yeah. So I think, you know, Amarillo, congratulations. Yeah. Way to go. Wow. Claps. Good job. Yep. Awesome. It's, it's harder for us to talk about something that's actually successful rather than talking about something that's bad. Right. Which goes to show you that bad news gets headlines. Anyways, right. next up. Heart disease exposed. A data breach at U.S. Health Clinic South Denver Cardiology Associates, or SDCA, has exposed the medical information of more than 287,000 people. In a data breach notice, SDCA admitted that an unnamed attacker broke into its systems and had access to confidential databases for three days between January 2nd, 2022 and January 5th, 2022, before the breach was detected and thwarted. An investigation revealed that attackers accessed files containing a variety of sensitive information. The exposed data included patient social security numbers and or driver's license numbers, patient account numbers, health insurance information, clinical information, and more. SDCA said there has been no impact on the content of patient medical records and no unauthorized access to the patient portal. As a precaution, SDCA has begun a mail out to patients that include guidance on how to protect their information alongside an offer of complimentary credit monitoring and identification protection services. There it is, everybody. Hey. Hey. Protect your credit monitoring. That's about all you can do. Every time. Every time. I wonder, does 
So this is interesting. Does the organization that SDCA partners with, do they, does SDCA pay the costs associated with all those accounts for a year? Oh, that's or a good question. Does the identity protection service say, hey, you know, we're gonna bank that all these people are gonna forget that they even have this as a annual fee as most organizations. And, and just capture that revenue. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. I would bet they have to pay it. I would bet it, it gets paid somewhere. They're not gonna just give it away for free. Yeah, I don't think so. So that would be a very expensive bill. That would be. Proposed changes to disclosure of breaches. The U.S. Securities and Exchanges Commission, SEC, proposed last week legal changes that would require publicly traded companies to disclose material cybersecurity incidents within four days of such a breach. The SEC also wants to require periodic disclosures of the impact of ongoing cybersecurity threats in regularly scheduled quarterly 10Q and annual 10K reports filed by publicly traded firms, further increasing the mandate for transparency on cybersecurity issues. The more immediate reports disclosing security incidents would be filed in 8K forms used for unscheduled disclosures. The idea is to protect investors by improving their ability to inform themselves about the risks involved in investing in a given company, according to the SEC. Given the severity of the threat posed by bad cybersecurity actors, a breach could have a huge impact on a company's stock value and line of business, the commission said in a statement. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, four that's days. A, yeah, that's, that's a lot. Disclose material cybersecurity incidents within four days of such a breach. So does that is that four days after it happened or four days after they decided that it happened? I would, I would say after they found out because if it happened and they didn't find out, yeah, I would assume. There's no way that they could do it the other way. Right, because sometimes you, it might take a week for you to realize. Yep. That's crazy. I mean, four days is like, that's a quick I mean, turnaround. They're really lighting the fire under the, because you know I could see the big corporations that are publicly traded like taking their time so they make sure because you know think about all the moving parts in a big organization yep. and sure. legal has a big grip over an organization that's that big, so I feel like when a breach happens they talk to legal they talk to PR they talk to marketing they talk to customer service reps they talk to right. everything, and then they decide to announce it and they right. have this you know perfectly crafted legal just public disclosure that protects them right from anything possible but that is very interesting that's very fast yeah this would allow them hopefully though to get to stay ahead of it a little bit more and maybe like control some more of the fallout if you the quicker you move the quicker you can control the narrative yeah exactly and that's it for this week's wrap up of your weekly healthcare news i'm matt money penny and i'm albert battistelli and we'll see you next week Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bandage Podcast produced by eTactics.